Hey guys, this is my part two conversation with Carrie Lingenfelter. It's incredibly authentic and honest. Check it out, and if you enjoy it, send me an email, blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, you can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Enjoy the episode. I'll catch you next week. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz podcast. This is episode number 45, and I am so excited because we have my man, Kerry Lingenfelter, back again today. He is the only guest to come back for two episodes, which I think you're like the fourth guest. So, <laughs> But hey, it counts. Uh, and really just had such a great time talking to Carrie. I've already gotten some feedback of people who you've reached out to me and said, man, I really love that episode. I think you're going to really enjoy getting into some content today with me and Carrie. Again, if you've never checked out this podcast before, here's what this is. This is a podcast where we talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about business. We talk about management. Uh, really, we really just dive in and hit a lot of different topics. But I think the one thing that's really true about this podcast is that you're not going to get any BS from us. We're just authentic people. Seriously, we're just normal people. And I think that's something that makes this podcast so enjoyable to listen to. So as always, if you enjoy the episode, if you have some feedback, you can reach out to me, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com, or you can check out our website. Carrie, we're back. Outstanding. So excited to be back with you. Man, I'm so excited you're here. And you know, it's so funny, man. It felt it felt like it felt like we dove in last time. And then and for my audience who wasn't familiar, so in the last episode I was recording, and we I think the episode ended up being like forty five minutes. Well, there was like a forty five minute gap there in the middle where my recorder died. And didn't even know. We were just so into talking about whatever we were talking about. And then I was like, oh, dang. I didn't even. That <laughs> was it. That was really good. Yeah. And we didn't get any of that. <laughs> so today we have a 12-hour backup battery. <laughs> I don't think we're going to go that long. Uh, but I think, Carrie, what I really love about you is, and if I can just stroke your ego for a second. Sure. It just it doesn't take much when it comes to listening to you to see, first of all, just your... your um, I don't know if it's like a generosity of your time. Like you're very eager and earnest with people. Like I feel like when you talk to someone, there's such a authentic drive there to really connect with them. But also like your philosophy of like management, business, it's very easy to talk to you. It's like, okay, this guy really knows his stuff. He knows where he's going. And so um, that's been really enjoyable for me. And it's also why I feel like this episode, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I feel like it's going to have a lot of really good stuff in it. Ah, well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Thank you very, very much. That's yeah. kind. I do have a little BS to share with your okay. listeners, <laughs> but that's belief systems, right? Okay. Yeah. So different kind of BS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> certainly that's, that's what it all comes down to is what are your core beliefs? Okay. And, so I, you know, I remember we were talking about management styles, management systems, um, how you motivate people. Uh, at the end of the day, it really does come down to what your core beliefs are. And if you're able to connect with somebody and figure out what their core beliefs are. Mm. And I think we, we almost went down a rabbit hole there for mm. a little while. Um, but 
that's what it is. And so thank you for acknowledging that and pointing it out to me. But really, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to discover the core beliefs of the person I'm connecting with. Mm. And from there, we have a very genuine path together, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that's conversation, whether that's business, whether that's relationship, uh, neighborly. Um, you know, you really do authentically know who you're connected with at that point. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and it's, it's a different take on networking. Sure. You know, it's, it's like when you network, a lot of people, especially like new business owners, they kind of groan. It's like, oh gosh, I have to go to that networking event. And cause it's, it, it, sometimes it feels very transactional mm. and it feels very, uh, even on like the worst form, kind of like, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> right. You right. know, in, in this sort of like direction you're talking about where you you have a uh, very genuine connection. When you talk about belief system, we're talking about kind of peeling back the layers of yes. what makes someone tick. And that's that's not something that's super it's not common in networking, but it's also it's, it's especially not very comfortable for well, some people. That's a good point. That really is a good point. And you figure out really quickly how comfortable someone is <laughs> connecting, right? Yeah, they're like, dial it back here. But yeah. even, uh, you know, just recently I had a conversation with somebody I really respect in Northwest Arkansas and somebody who has been in my industry in a different capacity, but for over a decade. Um, she is strong in her belief system. And I always felt like she was an extrovert. But as I started to connect with her and really talk about things at a deeper level, uh, we discovered that she really is an introvert. Mm. And um, what she wants to do is when she's at work and she knows she has to put it on, she puts it on. But when she's at home, she doesn't want to be around anybody other than maybe her immediate family. She doesn't want to have to um, amp it up for right. others well-being right. um, she wants to be herself and uh, and I thought that that was really interesting mm-hmm. I was like wow well okay um, I understand why you do it yeah and clearly you're driven by helping others and so I'm not gonna judge you for your approach to business at all right. um, but thank you for being real with me and mm-hmm. helping me discover that that's kind of who you are and, uh, and I'm okay with that. So I know I won't be calling you after business hours <laughs> to ask you a business question. Yeah. So. Well, and it takes a lot of maturity to be able to know yourself, but mm-hmm. then also communicate it with someone. Oh, absolutely. To be able to say like, hey, I really don't want you to talk to me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? That's it. Before we go farther, I think we might have flipped our coffee. Uh-oh. Possibly. uh I taste cinnamon in this. Yeah, I'm not sure, Mine would have cinnamon. Yeah, maybe pop your lid open and see. Yeah, I drink a lot of my coffee, so <laughs> I think that's yours. Okay. Take a sip of that and let me know, I think. Ah, oh, man, that is good. Onyx coffee. Oh Are my you gosh. kidding me? It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But, uh, no, it, you know, it's, it's – and I don't know if it's, it's worth it to park for a second and talk about self-awareness because – Yeah. And I even have found this for, to be true for me or, like, even with, with – um, it's all my relationships, people I work with, my wife, family, friends. I find myself in tension and I don't always know why. And it's, I've, I've found in hindsight, it's because I don't fully know what I'm feeling or think like, here's a really good example. I'm frustrated at my wife. I don't know why I'm frustrated, <laughs> but something in me is frustrated at her. And it's Gosh. only in hindsight when it's like, okay, I see what was happening internally. And that's, what's true about me that I wasn't aware of that, 
you know, maybe it's, it's, I wanted that time alone or I want it, you know what I'm saying? And so oh, I, yeah. it's, 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 why do you feel like it's so hard for people to be self-aware and really know how they operate? Well, I, I, I don't know that we take the time to be introspective. Hmm. I don't know that we culturally uh, as, as a whole, stop and be silent long enough to listen to what's really going on internally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very important that we are emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. but no one teaches us how to be that way, right? right? Um, and I say no one. There are organizations. Mm-hmm. There are gurus. There are, you know, personal coaches that are out there that may help you with that design and and with that development. Um, But you don't see it on television. You Mm -hmm. certainly don't see those stories told in movies Mm -hmm. Um, unless it happens to be about yoga or, um, Mm. you know, a yogi or, um, you know, Marvel Comics did a pretty good job with uh, Doctor Strange. Mm. um, But really, that's what it is, right? You're you're stopping to look within to find the wisdom that maybe you already know Hmm. Um, you you just have so much noise that you miss it so uh, I really really try to find those moments where I'm by myself and I can look within Um, but I that's something that I work on on a regular basis I keep wanting to meditate Mm -hmm. Um, haven't really uh, developed that practice Mm -hmm. so my meditation becomes my drive time I'm Mm, either uh, using that time to fill myself fill my cup with great knowledge like listening to a Blake Benz podcast (laughs) or you know that's going to be some quiet time for me and I'm gonna I'm gonna think about the road ahead think about the road behind and it's it's hard to hit the pause button. Yeah. Especially when in and if if you're listening and you're a business owner, you can really relate to this. When there's so much, it's like it's like as soon as you finish one thing for your business, it's like two more things. It's like never weeds. Stops. Oh, you know, it's like it never oh, I need stops. To, and and not I don't want to make it sound like in a pessimistic way, like these tasks are are bad. It's just it's part of it is part it's part uh obligation, like I need to do blank. And it's also part hunger of, ooh, I really want to do. Right. And I think those two things, that combination makes it really hard to pause and meditate or pray or, or anything. Yeah. You know, and I'm very similar to you. I, I I feel like in, you know, January 1st, like New Year's resolution time, I think, because there's a lot of great data on how the best leaders create routines of of whatever, whatever it is, whether you're spiritual, not spiritual, but, but a time where you set aside and you pause and you meditate and you think and you pray or or what have you. And you just, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just, you just, you just let it be right. Yeah. And I've tried that. I've, I've wanted to make that my routine. And yet the moment, I mean, it's early, it's still dark out. The moment I sit up and and I, I start to process Mm -hmm. it's, Oh, I need to go work on that. I need to go try that. Ooh, I need to get that email out. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And I, I, I haven't mastered that. And I don't I don't know how to master that. Right. You know, and so I don't know. Well, sounds like a book. Once yeah. we once we get that figured <laughs> yeah, out, right. we need to share that with the world. We're gonna make a lot of money on this idea. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
So, yeah. And I, I think that fortunately for me, I find myself in moments of interaction with other human beings that causes me to slow down my internal processes because now I'm in the moment with this other person that's going through whatever they're going through. And so maybe the next step to get to being able to hit the pause button and, and do that is to, is to just be really present when engaged with, you know, someone else and they may be going through a difficult time, difficult time in their business, difficult time in their personal life, um, difficult time spiritually. And you are there. You're the one that they've opened up to. Mm. And, um, I, I, I find a lot of clarity in those moments because suddenly I am selfless Mm -hmm. and it's about them. Mm -hmm. And when I can get out of my own way Mm -hmm. and and put the focus on someone else, I, I gain, so much from that. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to have those moments. I, I look for those opportunities. And, and fortunately for me, I'm, I'm in an environment where I can see that often. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and you never know where those conversations are going to happen. No. Like, and you don't know who it's going to happen with. Right. Like I was talking to someone and it's funny how people, it's almost like the gatekeeping of, here's what I mean. Like I was talking to someone yesterday and they said, well, you know, the stress that a business owner has isn't the same stress that the target cashier has. And I said, uh, well, no, I mean, everyone, everyone deals with stress. Everyone has incredibly challenging circumstances, but I think it makes you, it makes you feel a little bit bigger to put, you know, sort of this, this gate on, well, I'm a business owner, so I'm somehow more, my circumstances are now more challenging than you. Uh, and, and I just, I haven't seen that play out that way. It feels like everyone, you can have that conversation with anyone and especially with people who, and this is also going back to networking with, which, what makes me kind of frustrated is people get very targeted in their networking, mm-hmm. meaning, Oh, I really need to meet that person. And I'm all for strategy and, you know, let's meet the right people for our business. But it's like, it's, Oh, you want to have coffee with me? Well, you're not really, you're not really worth my time. Uh. But that conversation could have been a conversation where not only you had an opportunity to be selfless, there could have been an exchange that actually could have given you the exact insight you needed to be better at your business or or maybe even be like a better husband or a better dad. Or, you know, it's just, well, I hope people are hearing you right now because that's (laughs) gold. That is absolute wisdom. You're, you're completely and totally correct. We never know how far the ripple is going to go from the pebble that we drop in the pond. Right. So why not, you know, be be in that moment, whatever mm-hmm. that moment may be. So, but you know what else is interesting about hitting the pause button is, I was I was talking to someone about this the other day. Uh, someone asked me what are the the top three issues that I've seen business owners deal with, and I named the three off. The first one was ego. Yeah. I said ego is just massive, and the higher up you go, the larger it becomes. I said, but the second thing is owners who spend their time on things that don't matter. Mm. And sometimes when I when I feel myself really underwater, I have to check myself and think, okay, how much of what I'm actually working on? It's like it's like the business owner who they're like, oh, I spent every day for a month trying to build the website, and it's like, man could you have just paid someone to do that? Yeah. You know, or, or was there not something else that would have been not that a website isn't important, you know, all these things, we have a level of importance in our mind, but it feels like it's really hard. And I'm not even just saying this, like it's not hard for me. It's, it's hard for everyone else. It's, it's hard for me too. Yeah. Where it's like, I spend a week working on something and it's like, 
okay, that didn't bring in any money. Yeah. And there was no impact. Yeah. But I, for whatever reason, I felt like that's what needed to happen and it, it wasn't. Sure. And so I don't, I don't know your thoughts there on like why it feels so difficult to really know what is the right decision, what's worth your energy, you know, et cetera. What do you think? I, I think it comes back to your purpose. It comes back to your why. And I think if you really, really identify with what it is that's motivating you, what that purpose is, then you can filter all of your decision-making through that purpose. Now, with that being said, we still get caught up in our day-to-day thought processes, and mindset can be a real tricky thing um, because you have to, just like a muscle, you have to train your mind. You have to train which thoughts you're going to allow yourself to think and which ones you're going to let pass by. You Mm. may acknowledge that you had the thought, but there it goes. And that just like training a muscle, you, you got to work at it. It, it, it doesn't just, it isn't just that way. You don't just decide, okay, we're going to solve people's problems and we're going to start this business and everything falls into play. Like you <laughs> have to constantly mm-hmm. be reminding yourself to filter your decisions through your why first. And then you understand why the what is how that's impacting your why. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like, you know, what's so interesting to me is, is that, that is a, it's a brilliant concept and I feel like people know it, but they, it's like, it's lost its meaning. And so here's what I mean by this. It's, I think what came out of that concept was you need to have a mission statement. It's, okay. it's a great, yeah. it's a great illustration yeah. of here's our why. Right. But then we lost the conversation of the why and it became, oh, you're going to start a business. Well, you got to have a mission statement. And then that's what leads to you get into these conversations with owners or even their employees where you say, well, what's, what's y'all's mission? And they go, uh, and they kind of look for it on the wall somewhere <laughs> or they pull it up on the website right? or worse. It's like, you know, half a page long, you know, and they're trying, <laughs> right. you know, and it's like, it's like we've, um, I don't know the analogy or what the expression is, but we've, we've lost our reason for why we do a lot of things. Sure. We've lost the why of <laughs> why we need to have a why, right? you know? Well, Okay. We, we all want to be in better shape physically, right? And there are lots of whys that being in better shape physically is, is worth doing. But do we attach on to one of those whys and that becomes our driving factor in our day-to-day lives? Mm. I know I struggle with it, right? Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. However, if I needed strategies and tools to figure out how to lose weight, I, I, I would be slapped in the face as soon as I opened up my phone, looked at any of my social media, um, looked at my email. <laughs> like there's always a way, a strategy yeah. to, to be in better health. Mm. So at the end of the day, it, it comes down to why do I want to be in better health? Mm-hmm. Well, if it's I want to look better in the mirror, that may not be as good a driving factor as I want to walk my daughter down the aisle in 20 mm. years, right? Yeah. So that could be a lot more motivating for me. And I, I, I think that we could apply the same principle to business. You know, remember why you got back in into that business, whatever that business was, and then let that help drive your decision making. But you got to remember it. It has to be a, a an effort daily. Well, and it's kind of like, and it's, I love how you see, you have to remember it because especially as 
especially with like entrepreneurship and like business ownership. Like when I started my business, it's amazing how many people have reached out and been like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And I'm like, it, sure doesn't, it doesn't feel amazing. Right. You know? Right. But people who it's like, there's this, there's a total like sexiness around it. And I think a lot about someone told me, I can't remember when this was maybe a decade ago. And he said, you know, whenever you get married and my wife and I've been married for uh, a little over five years now. So whenever you get married, you're going to have to remind yourself why you chose this person and why you love this person. Cause like right now when you first meet them, it's like, Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Yeah. And then like for joy and I, it was like the week after the wedding, it was like, I don't know. I don't know if I like you. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Right. And so you have to remember and remind yourself, why was I so invested in this in the first place? Because amazingly enough, we, as people, we are very forgetful. Mm-hmm. We lose focus very quickly. Well, that's not all that unrealistic. I mean, if you think about it, we're, our brains are wired to process <laughs> so much information, right? Yeah. And so it's constantly discarding information. So if you don't keep it at the forefront of the thought process, it's likely going to get discarded mm-hmm. until you rediscover it. So so how do you, how do you keep yourself from... Because, I mean, it'd be great to not ever have to rediscover. It's just sure. always. And, and I don't even know if I'm even talking about, like, marriage or business or what <laughs> or what anymore. Right. But, um, you know, what what? how do you keep it so you don't lose it? Top if that makes mind. sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've heard of lots of different strategies, you know, one of which is to mission statement was a great thing you just said. And to have that plastered in a way that you see it frequently which is a recall moment. And then also, if you're the leader of that business, then you're communicating that same message frequently, more frequently than you really feel like you need to, and certainly more often than you think is necessary. Mm. And that's what helps that why filter through the team, no matter how big that team is. So well, I mean, I think it's Simon Sinek who has the book, Start With Why. That's it. And again, it's amazing to me how many people pick up that book and who are like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of this. But then when this, once they get into it, it's like, yeah, there's, there's a real practicality to when you start with the why, everything really does filter out mm-hmm. of that. That's it. And, you know, he he follows that book with Eater's uh, leaders eat last. Right. And he's got another one coming out, which we were talking about before we started recording, which is the infinite game. So Simon's concept now is taking that why filtration system and then creating great leadership to help continue on the why. But then how do you make decisions that ensure you're playing the game for a long time where you're developing resiliency and um, you're looking at, yes, I may lose today, but that's so I can win tomorrow. You know, how do I keep this business afloat? And I'll tell you, I've, I've definitely had to make decisions like that recently where, Mm -hmm. um, yes, I'd love to hit my top line number this quarter, but I also need to make sure that bottom line's got enough to get me through next quarter. Mm-hmm. And I can't overinvest right now mm-hmm. because if I do, I'm not going to be able to play the game tomorrow. Yeah. So, I, you know, again, I think I have to constantly be reminded of our why because we're serving people. You know, we're taking care of other human beings. Mm-hmm. And what a gift, what a joy, but what a responsibility too, right? So those decisions have to have to be made with 
you know, continuing that ability. And, and I'm grateful that we get to, but it's, it's something that we have to think about every single day. Well, I so appreciate your perspective because sometimes I get into conversations with people who are being very lax on decisions they need to make. And, you know, it's kind of why I say there's nothing sexy about leadership because, you know, when things go great, I mean, sure, you, <laughs> yeah, I'm the leader. When things go really bad, yeah, that, that was on me. Yeah. And I think what I find is people who are really, they're into, um, they're paralyzed by what could go wrong in their decision. And sometimes what I bring it back to is, isn't the mission of your organization, isn't the why that important to make that hard decision? I mean, it's, it's for example, let's say you have someone who has an, an underperforming employee and let's say, you know, you've, you've done all the things, excuse me, you've done all the things that you need to, to, and it's just not working. It yeah. just, it's, and that happens. Yes. Sometimes you have someone, it just doesn't work. Yes. You know, and, and it's, it's for whatever reason, bad fit. Maybe they're just not in a great place. It's, it's just, you've done everything right. It just didn't work. Right. But so I'll have owners who they're hesitant to make the hard decision and the way I flip it is, well, isn't the mission, don't you need to, re- isn't it important to protect the mission? Absolutely. Like, isn't the impact? And I think what's a challenge is sometimes it's easy to make that connection in like the service industry. I think people have a hard time understanding that like, even in like a product industry, even in like a CTG, uh, uh, excuse me, CPG uh, industry, your mission can be so valuable, even if the product itself isn't like an inspirational thing yeah that makes sense it does but how even more important it is for someone like yourself who and it's so funny i i know that you value the mission because as you're talking i think i think of what you say every week changing the face of aging in northwest arkansas and how passionate and you know it's it's believable and it's i hear it and i'm like yeah okay yeah yeah you know and for the listeners carrie and i were at this event today with with um other people in the healthcare industry and carrie didn't say this it's just me saying this but as I was listening to these other companies, I was just like, no, Carrie's the best. Home Instead <laughs> is the best just because I know you and I know how passionate you are about your mission and your why. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so I'm going to circle us back around to the paralyzation moments, right? Um, I recently heard uh, a comment made by Jeff Bezos in an interview, um, obviously, has a pretty big company, so um, <laughs> may have you know a, a pretty influential opinion on things. But his belief is that some of the best leaders are the ones that make wrong decisions often. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. It struck me, and so I had to kind of stop what I was doing and keep reading a little bit deeper to find out what that meant. And for him... He believes that the people who are making decisions that turn out to be wrong are the ones that are trying everything possible to make sure that they're making the right decision. And they're generally the ones after they've made the wrong decision that they're they're diving into it, they're dissecting it, they're figuring out why it was wrong. And so they're not afraid to pull the trigger and go, you know, forward into the night, so to speak, because they're going to learn from that, however it turns out. And statistically speaking, they're probably going to make a lot more decisions over time than the ones that are struggling to make the decision and paralyzed in the moment, right? So 
that gives them more opportunity to grow, more opportunity to learn, more opportunity to make better decisions along the way. So that that would be the advice that I give to those that get locked into that paralyzation of thought. Mm. Um, sometimes it's better to act, but put some stop gaps in place so that mm. you know you made your decision and it's decisive. But let's instead of waiting a year to reevaluate that, let's mm-hmm. reevaluate in ninety days or mm-hmm. sixty days or thirty days, right? Um, depending on what the situation is. So well, and it definitely feels like it feels like the larger a company becomes the more resistant it becomes to making uh, those decisions quickly Mm. and especially making risky decisions. And I don't know if it's like the cliche of like, oh, well, you got shareholders to answer to. But definitely as you grow in in scale, it it feels like there are so many examples of companies that for whatever reason, especially as we talk about anticipating the long term and what's coming down down the pike. Yeah. You know, and I I got into a disagreement with someone this morning on Blockbuster and 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 Blockbuster's relationship with experience. And I it was on this dialogue of how experience is overrated. And the person was saying, no, no, no. Experience is like number one. And and I I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, Blockbuster had 15 years on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of experience. I mean, you, do you think there's any company that knew that industry better than Blockbuster? They they knew it exactly, exactly. And so and so, it feels like you get to a point where I don't know if it's if it's comfort, I don't know if it's fear, I don't know what the word is, but there is, and I think it's different in small business owners because it's it's much more. Um, in a, in a company like Blockbuster, it's like okay, we have cash reserves for the next ten years, yeah. so we can afford to be a bit slower. But for the small business owner. I mean, maybe you only do have 18 months. If that, in you know, some cases. Exactly, exactly. And so I think that's a valid point that you're making. And I would even go back a little further. Um, so Jim Collins wrote about Walgreens. And it was the same thing. They were a drugstore soda fountain shop that started out as a soda fountain shop. Mm. And that was their anchor. That was who they were. That was what they identified with. We are a soda fountain shop that also happens to have some pharmaceuticals back here. And they had to make a decision, a, a critical decision, after they'd been in business for 30 years at that point. Yeah. And it was family owned and operated, I believe, right? Like third generation individual going against his family lineage to say, we're no longer going to sell soda fountains or have you know, these fountain sodas to sell. We are going to lean into this new industry that's being developed right now. And we're, we're going to take this tradition, marry it with innovation and lean in all in so much so that we're going to burn the boat and never come back. Right. Jeez. So here we are a hundred years later and how big is Walgreens Yeah. and where is Blockbuster? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Man, you're so right. But that's not me. That was Jim Collins that pointed that out. And so if you guys haven't read the book, Good to Great, go get it. I I, I was turned on to this book by Blake Benz. Again, good advice. (laughs) Um, This book lit me up. It's good. Like I've got goosebumps right now. You can't see them, but I'm feeling it because um, I learned so much from that book. Well, and he's, he's got a few books that are out that are really good. He also has a book called Built to Last, and yeah. it's, it's this whole conversation of it's one thing to build a business. It's another one to build a sustainable business, yeah. and, and not everyone wants that. Some sure. people, 
they 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 get in the game knowing there's an exit plan. That's I'm right. Gonna build it and I'm going to sell it and where it goes from there, I don't really care. Yeah. You know, I just want to. I got ten years till retirement. Let's do something. Yeah. Uh, for someone like myself, and I feel like this is a bit like you too, I, I want to build something that it's meaningful and it exists beyond me. That's you it. know, it's 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 a it's got the flywheel of momentum that it keeps making an impact. But you know, parking with Walgreens, I, it feels like there are stories like that where they made the bold decision, and I'm sure at the time it was crazy, but in hindsight, it's like yeah. But I, I think what's and I'm really I want to know what you think here. Because let's go back to Blockbuster. Or another example that I use a lot is Kodak. And what I've heard is that Kodak had developed digital technology and they vaulted it and said, no, people love. Uh, and if you're a younger listener, because um, I have such a wide age range of people listening to this podcast. But if you're a younger listener, you had the uh, camera that you'd click the camera and the it would develop it right there in the camera and it would spit out. Uh, actually, it'd be an undeveloped picture and you would flop it in the air and you would... You know, and it would develop over the next, you know, minute or two. But so what Kodak did was they they vaulted the digital technology. And they said, oh, no, people people love. And there's so much uh, nuance and just I don't even know the word that was really part of it. But the other part of it was that they weren't in the business for cameras. They were in the business of film development. So if you'll remember, this was also the era where they had film that was rolled up in a little tube that yeah. you dropped into your camera. That's right? right. And they had all these little kiosk centers that yeah. looked like coffee shops That's today right. yeah. that you drove up and you rolled yeah. down your window and you handed over your That's right. roll of film. And then they were going to develop it. And a week later, you mm. came back and you picked it up. That was their business. And and they were making so much money off of mm-hmm. these little kiosk shops mm-hmm. that they didn't spend any time on this digital concept. Why would we? That's not our revenue source. But, but that's I think that's my point though is because Blockbuster was the same way. Mm-hmm. I think the number I've seen is anywhere between thirty to forty percent of their revenue was through late fees. Yeah, which is just insane. Yeah, get your movies back, people. Right. <laughs> but now you don't have to, right? <laughs> right? And and so Netflix comes along, no late fees whatsoever. Yeah, and it's like, why would we do that? Why would we go to a model like that? Right. You know, but it's but it, I think what shocks me is, you know, we look at Amazon, for example. Amazon, there were actually plenty of other Amazon alternatives at the turn of uh, the 2000s. Oh, yeah. What Jeff Bezos did was he really invested heavily in the in the supply chain management of of our delivery system, of how can we make sure we get and he was selling books at the time. Yeah. How do we get the book from point A to point B as fast as possible? Yeah. And he was really thinking about that rather than uh, how do I compete with these other businesses? And so what's interesting is the reason he exists today in Walgreens today and all these other companies that have somehow pivoted away from where they started was it feels like there was a willingness to make the hard decision but also to really think long-term into the future or just it was okay to try something that failed yeah okay so an example that i'll give to you is another hundred plus year old company they started out and and they're really well known today for things like xbox and these incredible gaming systems but the company is nintendo and nintendo started out with board games 
Wow. Back at the turn of the century in How the late 1800s. You, I don't know. <laughs> so, and and then this. it transitioned from a board game to a card game. Interesting. Okay. And so they sold cards for like 50 years and mm. it was the hottest thing. Everybody wanted their Nintendo card pack. And then in the 50s, they started making these little uh, games that were uh, pinballs inside a box and you had two little knobs that you would twist one way or the other. And then it went on to, you know, the Nintendo game box, which became the game boy, which, you know, yeah, I had one. I remember. So, but wow. Yeah. That company is 120 plus years old. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they're around today is because they kept going back to their why Mm. and their why was to create entertaining activities enjoyed by all. Mm. So, and I think what I like what you're saying, the what is less important than. That's it. it the, it's the why it's that matters the most. why. And if you have the why, then the what will change Absolutely. as the market changes, as circumstance changes, as people's interests change. Yeah. Um, so I, I work for an incredible brand, Home Instead Senior Care, and we, we provide in-home care for seniors. Um, but really, our mission is to enhance the lives of aging adults and their families. So we have an incredible brand name, but our mission is to enhance their lives. And we can do that in a variety of ways. It doesn't just have to be at their home. It could be at the senior center. It could be taking them to their bridge club or going to church with them on Sunday. Or, yeah, we could be in the home and we could be engaging with them there. But that in and of itself is why I have such passion for what we do. And our vision to, to change the face of aging in northwest Arkansas, you know, that's, that's our Mount Everest, right? I'm always going to be trying to climb that mountain. And aging is changing. Um, there are more and more people <laughs> demographically that are becoming older, right? The largest population right now, the baby boomers are becoming of age and in, in such age that they're going to need assistance. And there's so many different options for them to choose from now. But if, as long as we stay focused on how we can enhance their life, then it won't matter which option they choose. Mm. So maybe it is at home or maybe it's in a nanny pod or maybe it's in a great facility here in Northwest Arkansas, Mm. but we're just going to find ways to enhance their life. Well, I love that. And it, 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 it's also what it's like when we get to the subject of like innovation, I really feel like the companies that are, are able to survive long-term are able to iterate and innovate and evaluate on a constant basis. And I I think you're so right that when that why is so strong and it's the driving force, it it also, it opens you up to, and you named off a few different options. One of them is your business model. And the other one's, uh, actually was, I'm not familiar with what even what a nanny pod is. Sure. I envisioned literally a pod with a bunch (laughs) of grandmas in it. (laughs) So, well, you've, you've heard of the tiny house theory, right? Yeah. So it's a tiny house in the back of somebody's uh, property. Okay. Yeah, but it's designed for an aging adult, right? Okay. So, like, no steps into the shower, grab yeah. bars, um, yeah. you know, ass- well, assisting tools. and. You know, what's what's interesting is I told my wife, um, and I think she feels the same way about her parents, was I said, you know, whenever our parents get to the point where they need help, 
I, I want them to move in with us. Yeah. Cause I, cause I think when my grandmother passed away, what was so sad to me was it, and she didn't say this, but I just, it felt like she was really lonely. Oh yeah. And, you know, and you spent your whole life with people and living your life. And now you've also kind of lost, I mean, what a, what a, what a um, blow to your pride of sure. now I, I don't even have my own autonomy, but I just remember feeling so sad that she didn't have, uh, I perceived that she didn't have the level of community that you would want at the end of your life. Yeah. And I just, I told my wife, I was like, I don't care what the situation is, but I, I want, I want them to live with us. Cause I want them to, I just want to be lonely. That's beautiful. You know, but, but I feel like, I see that with your organization that there is such a desire to make, and, and I don't know the average length that someone works with you, but whether it's five years to 10 years, whatever that is, I, I, I am in constant admiration for your drive to really make those years as precious as possible and as valuable That's as it. possible. That's it. And I trust that about you. Yeah. You well, know? you know, clearly for us, relationships are at the highest level of priority. So relationships first, tasks second. Now with that being said, we we also know that the human condition is such that we all need connectivity. Mm-hmm. We all need companionship. Even introverts. Even even introverts. introverts. That's right. All of us as mm-hmm. human beings, we all need that connection. Mm-hmm. And Call it whatever you will. Call it a, a spiritual relationship. You know, just call it friendship. Whatever that is, we all need it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get to a point where when you haven't had it for a long time, you start to do things that aren't so great. And either your health is going to decline or you're going to not be so friendly to be around. Um, but you're going to get some kind of reaction out of another human being by being that way. So that's going to fulfill that need in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love the fact that you feel deeply that you want your grandparents to be with you. I, yeah. I think that's amazing. <laughs> and the yeah. reason why, because that's it, right? Um, you look at the blue zones around the world. So a blue zone is a place where people live a really long life, like an entire culture. So Okinawa would be a great example of a blue zone. Um, the women there live well into their early 100s, and it's because of three factors. One, they've got a great diet made up of mostly fish and vegetables. Um, second is that they have community. So they all know each other, and they actually every week have a village day. So let's say there's seven villages within walking distance. And so Sunday will be village A, you know, Monday will be village B, so on and so forth. So that they go and they have music and they connect and they talk and they play games and all of those things. Um, And then finally, you know, they've got uh, a sustainable lifestyle, right? So it doesn't change. It doesn't vary um, super dramatically. And so I think that we can create a blue zone right here in Northwest Arkansas. We have a beautiful place to live that is so abundant and we have amazing people here. And uh, if, as long as we eat well and uh, we connect with one another, we could definitely have a blue zone here. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many good restaurants that are just so there bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to, 
<laughs> there is a popular barbecue place. I won't say the name. Oh, yeah. I want to rep it, but at the same time, I don't want to. I don't want the owner calling me saying it's not healthy. But he, he knows it's not healthy. <laughs> but I remember I I just pigged out on this barbecue, and he uh, texted me afterwards and was like, "How do you feel?" And I was like, "I feel awful." <laughs> and he's like, "Wasn't it so worth it?" it? So worth I was it. like, "It really was, man." Yeah. Uh, well, there we could spend a whole day talking about how you how you might um, save today's gratification for tomorrow's uh, benefit mm-hmm. um, you know the old marshmallow uh, concept there but ultimately I think that's that's kind of what what we're talking about you know if we're playing the long game then maybe the immediate gratification today is is not what we're looking for maybe making the right decision today so that we can benefit far greater later on is is how we should be designing those thought processes. But, but how do you know what the right... How do you know, you know Blake Well, I, cause I, I try to get good advice from you <laughs> all the time. How do you know this? Well, you know, it just it feels like... Um, so here's here's what I think about this. For myself, there's decisions where I think... And, and I'm not even talking business. I just mean for me. Yeah. I need this right now. This is good for me right now. And then in hindsight, that wasn't good for me. Uh, I didn't need that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even thinking of anything specific. I just know sure. I've had that reaction of okay, that wasn't productive for my life or didn't position me the way I needed it to. I see the same thing in people who, um, if I can get like a really silly example, my wife and I, we just through coincidence end up talking to a lot of, because uh, we live in a college town, we end up talking to a lot of younger single people who are in their early 20s and they are out of college and naturally it's they want to fall in love and they want to meet someone. And so what will happen is, uh, Joy and I will be having like dinner with someone and maybe it's a young girl or a young guy and they're saying, they're explaining this uh, person they're thinking of or relationship they're already in and it only takes, and this isn't everyone, I just, I'm thinking of the people where they're explaining what's happening and you see so many red flags Yeah, and, they're, and they're, they're, they've only been dating the person for like, you know, like a month and what'll happen is Joy will be so sweet and she's amazing and she's like the kindest person in the world and Everyone, you know, prefers her over me, but, you know, uh, but so she'll very kindly say, you know, it just doesn't sound like that person matches your value system and like where you're going out of life. It doesn't sound like that person really is going the same way, but what'll happen is she'll give advice and the young girl will be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I don't need to be with that person. But yet (laughs) they they stay with that person. Yeah. And what happens is like maybe six months down the road, there's a really bad breakup. Mm. And you know what Joe and I have the point we've gotten to is that people, a lot of times they just, they just want to do what they want to do. Even, even in the face of opposite wisdom or, you know, and maybe just, maybe just Joe and I don't know what we're talking about. And so people just don't listen to us, but, but it feels like, and I've seen this to be true in business also, where someone will say, I have this business idea and I'll say, man, that just, on paper, that sounds very risky, and I just don't know about that. I probably wouldn't do that, but then they go do it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and it's and I, I've just realized, okay, people sometimes they ask for your perspective, not because they really want to know your perspective, but they're just they're kind of getting feelers out. But deep down, they want to do whatever they want to do. And I think the same thing's true about instant gratification. It's like, well, I could go to the gym; that would be better for my health long term. But I think I want to. Watch Netflix or, (laughs) or one business owner I was talking to, he said, you know, I could pay them 15 an hour. I could, I could pay them $20 an hour, but I really like, you know, making 
250k a year and i don't really want to make 200k a year does that push, does that position him well for the long term i don't know but i i noticed this trend of i'm going to choose today's gratification over tomorrow's wisdom i don't know i don't know well, the analogy that's a great point so and and i think you're right and i think that's why there are those that are super successful and why the rest of us are trying to figure it out hmm. so I, I I really do believe that you're right. I really do think that people are going to make up their own minds about what it is that they want. And if they come back and they're frustrated about why they got what they got, then it's at that point you can help them reflect a little bit and realize that, yeah, a better decision could have been made. Maybe take some notes, and next time you're faced with this situation, you won't make the same decision. But it, but it feels like, it feels like if you don't have that gene, so to speak, it's like, um, it's like the person who says, "Oh, well, you know, everyone else has all the luck. I'm never lucky." But then you, you're like, "Dude, you created those." Oh my know, gosh, I got you, so many quotes <laughs> going off in you, my mind. Right you now. put yourself there, you know. So. But but some people, I don't know if it's like if it's like a level of personal accountability and well there. Okay. So Henry Ford, whether you think you're right or you think you're wrong, you're right. Um, Dr. Phil McGraw, and this one's really, really insightful. He says, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, maybe you'll do something different. Hmm. And so, you know, and then the third one is, Keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Right. And that's the definition of insanity, right? right? So, and I think all of those things are true. So I, I think when somebody really wants to accomplish a thing, um, they're going to try and try and try. But hopefully they're trying in different ways each time to accomplish that thing. And they're just learning from it. Um, you know, a couple of different philosophies there is it. Is it Edison's, you know, 999 times of, of not being successful or was it 999 things that he learned from? Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me if you relate with this at all. Sometimes I feel like, especially when I lack momentum, either for life or business, but when I'm in a position where it's like, it's like I'm at, I don't know if it's fair to say I'm at my lowest, but I, I can definitely, it definitely feels like I'm lacking momentum. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, because honestly, this conversation all comes back to self-awareness. It am, does. Am I self-aware enough to recognize what is holding me back in my life and what I need to change? And Harvard Business Review would be the one to say that only 10% of people are actually self-aware. Yeah. Which is really scary. It is. And so here's what I wonder for myself t- sometimes. And I don't know if I'm saying this in the sense of like, Carrie, teach me. <laughs> or if it's going to be like, yeah, me too. And we're just... <laughs> and it's just depressing. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, especially when I'm lacking momentum, is there something that's in me that I can't see? It's a self-awareness question. I have blinders onto it. I just, I literally, it's, it's what a blind spot is. You, you literally, no matter how hard you try, you cannot see it. You're blind to it. Is there a blind spot? Is there going to be a thorn in my side that I will never recognize? And it prevents me from having the impact 
that I want to have. And I even get, maybe, maybe I get too dramatic thinking about this, but I think about like 30 years down the road. Sure. Will I look back and be frustrated at the results I achieved and not see, man, there was that thing in me that if I could have just seen that and revised that or changed that, it's like the person who's like, you know, been divorced 10 times Mm. and it's always, it's always the, the former spouse's fault. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and after their whole life, it's like, it's like, Hey, there was probably, maybe you're just a really crappy husband. I mean, I don't know, you know? And so I, I wonder that for myself, especially in the moments where the momentum's non-existent. Sure. What do you think? Well, I think the fact that you're asking yourself that question, I think the fact that that is a concern for you, that there could be this potential thing is a sign that you're working towards being great being a better version of you, being the best version of you you hoped to be. But there is this really, really old concept, and not to get religious, but it, it is definitely told biblically, but it's, it's the past, the future, and then the judge. Or if you were to draw a triangle, um, you know, on the left side is your, your history, on the right side is what you hope to be, and above you is yourself looking down on where you're at right now, judging yourself, right? It's called the Trinity, but ultimately we can apply it to just about any situation, mm. and that's what we do. And in this blind spot that you're talking about is, is there a bump in the road between where I'm at right now and where I'm going to be that will prevent me from getting to where I want to be, right? And yeah. There's probably a bump there. There's probably a blind spot. So keep trying and and have enough faith in yourself and belief in yourself that when you come to it, you'll overcome it and then you'll be so much more. <laughs> and, you know, it feels like it's it's that's also the value of getting really good people like oh around gosh, you. Sure. Yeah. You know, and it's it's um, it's like uh, so a friend of mine. She and her husband saved their marriage. I mean, they were just, she says that they would not be married today. And she talks about the way they saved their marriage was she had all these friends who she would sort of commiserate about her husband and they would commiserate about their husbands. And they'd be like, oh yeah, he's an idiot. He's, <laughs> he's so dumb. And then she had this one friend who she said was really obnoxious, but would would flip it on her and would say, you know, maybe you, the way you talk to him Maybe that's what led to the fight or led to the mm. issue or maybe if you came at it this way and she was like, what is wrong with this person? This person doesn't just agree with everything I say. And, and also to quote the Bible, there's a really great line that says um, uh, kisses are from the enemy, but wounds from a friend can be trusted or something like that. Um, I like to quote things and not remember <laughs> exactly what it is. But that concept's really interesting to me because it's, it's almost like the people who are able to avoid that bump. And I'm not even saying like, Hey, everybody hire a coach. Although I fully believe in that whole process, of course, but having people in your corner who not out of like indignation or out of like, um, jealousy or, or anything, but out of like their deep care to see you successful, will hit the pause button for you. And mm-hmm. will say that will take you out. If you don't, if you don't work on this, or if you don't think about this, that bump is coming and it's going to take you out. Yeah. You know, it's like the value of the people you surround yourself with. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, you know, we see that in the service that we provide on a daily basis. And I, I promise you, anybody uh, working in the healthcare industry would say that, you know, someone comes in with an issue, they get treated, they're given instructions on what to do when they when they return home or wherever they're going. And that 90% of the time, they don't follow those instructions to the letter, right? So no more salt in your diet, um, only eat chicken and broccoli and do these, you know, 10 toe touches every morning and they don't do it. So why is that? Because steak tastes amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a juicy burger, my gosh. Right. So (laughs) again, it kind of harkens back to this concept of, people doing what they want and maybe not understanding that what they really want is something better, right? Not understanding their why. Again, self-awareness. So it's interesting that Harvard Business Review posted, you know, a number so staggering, but maybe it's true. Mm -hmm. And maybe we just need to remember our why. Mm, Yeah. Our own individual why. And then it gets expanded into our, you know, personal circle and our spouse and our loved one and our children. And then it goes beyond that. And maybe that's your, you know, immediate family next to that. Or maybe that's your circle of friends or maybe that's your work family. Um, depending on what your situations are mm. like. Well, I've always liked the expression, you're the average of your five closest friends. Yeah. You know, and so your five closest friends, and, and you know, wherever, however you would evaluate them, but wherever they're heading in life, whether you, in whatever metric you'd put on that, whether it's success, influence, uh, happiness of their marriage, quality as a parent, whatever those metrics are, you're the average of the five closest people in your life. And, for me, it just makes me think about, okay, there are some areas where I need better friends and some areas where I need to um, expand my circle. You know, I have people in my circle who, uh, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, it's just, it's, it's I again, I value my why so much in not just the influence I want to have, but the quality of my marriage. I want to be a great dad, all of those things. Yeah. Because the why is so important, it deserves to be protected. Agreed. And let me expand that a little bit. So I I understand why you're being a little critical, right? Sure, sure. But just like your friend and your story you described, maybe you also need to raise your game in the relationships that you're giving Mm. in those interactions. Maybe you could raise the bar by being the one to raise the level. So. Mm. As long as I'm number one, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that's that's for me. That's uh-huh. really important. I, I want to make sure that I'm I'm getting as or I'm giving as good as I get. Mm-hmm. And if not, then better. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in an awesome networking group, and they've got an incredible philosophy, which is givers gain. And that philosophy goes not just to business, sure, but to our personal lives as well. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, and and again, I think. And again, going back to the comment I'm networking, I, I think what I love about our BNI chapter is what what givers gain is rooted in. It's very it's a selfless mentality, and it's not. That's it. It's it's if you approach life this way, you know, it's kind of the old uh, cliche of karma of like what goes around comes around. But really, 
when you approach life in a in a um, hands open type of way rather than clinching to yeah. you know what to hold on to what's yours. Yeah, it's interesting how it really does come back around and you do gain from it. That's it. And what's really crazy. So I used to be a science teacher and one of the things, one of the units I taught to my kids in high school, it was a unit on, it was a uh, aquatic science class. And so we were looking at all organisms in the water. And what was really shocking was I noticed this trend of organisms. It's the concepts altruism. It's, Uh. it's when I give something that I expect nothing in return for. And what's really crazy is how many examples where an organism for the good of the species will give up its resources for others to survive. And it's not even, it's not a relationship where they are mutually benefiting. Right. And even on like the most disturbing of examples, organisms that know um, that, uh, that in, in developing like progeny, it's going to kill them. Sure. Like, like, you know, I'm, it's like the one and done. Like I, I, my role is to uh, fertilize the egg and then I'm, I'm out of here. I'm dead. Right. And part of it's like in their DNA and it's, it's, you know, it's like they're making a conscious choice, but it's, it's especially interesting that what's hard coded into them is this component of altruism Mm. and how do I give expecting nothing in return. And I taught that unit because I wanted the students to feel that as well of like, yeah, let's have a little bit of an altruistic mindset because you don't see it a lot. Well, for whatever reason, let's find ways to share that with more and more, because if we all gave more of ourselves to others, be a much better place. Yeah, it really would. Yeah. So you personally, how do you keep yourself, especially talking about like the world we live in? There's a lot to be (laughs) cynical about and depressed about. And uh, I had coffee with someone the other day when we sat down. He said, how are you? And I said, man, I'm feeling really cynical right now. And he's like, me too. Oh, wow. How, How do you... How do you overcome that? Well, the best feeling you will ever have is when you help somebody else get what they want. Mm. And I just remind myself of that. Mm. I Again, I'm really fortunate. I put myself in a career where I'm surrounded by that type of opportunity on a regular basis, mm-hmm. right? Our, our services to help other human beings. And not just other human beings, but other human beings' families as well. So all I have to do is walk out of my office door and go engage, go interact with one of my fellow coworkers or pick up the phone and call one of our clients or one of our client family members. And immediately I'm in a situation where I can help them get what they want, Um, whether that's relieving their burden of stress in some way um, or whether that's improving the quality of care being provided for their loved one. And then they've given honest feedback to us and they feel like they've done the same thing. So they feel like they've helped us do our job better. So it becomes so reciprocal. Um, (laughs) It really is reflective. And, you know, it it happens every day. You, You see somebody drop a purse and someone else right next to them stop and help them pick up that purse. What do you wanna do? You wanna go help somebody, right? You're looking for the next opportunity to, help somebody walk across the street or, you know, I don't know, maybe it's the boy scout in me from way back when, but you know, I, I get inspired by seeing other people do good. Mm -hmm. And I think we all do. Mm -hmm. So how do you cultivate that? Try doing something good. Mm. Smile at somebody who's having a bad day. Mm -hmm. 
you know, give, give them a wink and a nod and a smile Mm -hmm. and, uh, who cares what they think, but if they smile back, then you've done something. So what would you say to to maybe the, the listener who's listening, who is maybe cynical or maybe they've been, um, maybe they're just in a place where they just feel burned. You know, they just feel mistrusting or, um, it's kind of like, I think about one business owner I was talking to who was in a very cynical and pessimistic place. And it's because her two first two employees for her business left and started their own company and took all, all of her customers, all of them. And so she was at her lowest basically. And so I know there's probably listeners right now who are, they're thinking like, man, everything you just said sounds so hokey. Okay. It's, and you, but, but so here's what, what would you say to that? I mean, how would you, how do you challenge or bring someone back from, I was on the ledge of pessimism. Mm-hmm. How do you bring someone back to something that's so simple of the good you can do today? Well, let's go to the hospital and I'll, I'll show them somebody that's got it way worse than they do. <laughs> I promise you. Yeah. You know, mm. uh, as a kid, I, I was, I don't know, fortunate, misfortunate, either way. But I was exposed to the burn unit at Oklahoma City Children's Hospital. And uh, that impacted me. You know, for the rest of my life, that impacted me. And uh, all I have to do is glance a child in extreme, excruciating pain. And I instantly am brought back to a moment that I remembered as a kid where it was so beyond my capacity to understand at that time but I just saw another human being that hurts so so bad so what I would do is help them change their state and I could do that by telling a story and and painting a picture and giving them a visual Um, or I could literally drive them down to the hospital Um, (laughs) but I promise you somebody's got it way worse Mm. Um, and you know with social media today and YouTube and Google um, you you can find inspiration everywhere if you want to find it mm-hmm. um but it's about being self-aware right so we either find ourselves in a situation where we've given up because we choose to give up or we accept the moment for what it is and then we decide to do something different so yeah there's cynical people out there always well, has been always will be yeah but it's all about a state of mind and then deciding what their why is. And if you want to be miserable and upset, then you can certainly find reasons to be miserable and upset. Hmm. No question. So how did, how did you find your why? Cause, cause I think also in listening to you, it's like, man, this person, you're, you're very genuine. Yeah. You know, I have a pretty good BS meter. And so, <laughs> As I listen to you, I believe every word you're saying, and not like in an evaluative way. It's just as sure. we're talking, I'm like, yeah, this person really believes this stuff. And I can't help but wonder, Now I know for the listeners, they probably don't know your story, but how did you find your why? I mean, how did you get to this point today where it's like, I mean, this is the driving factor in my life. Listen, I think all of us can point to moments of our childhood that weren't what we wanted them to be. Right. So everybody can point to a moment in their childhood that they wished was different. And I'm no different than anybody else. Um, I I just so happens I'm a child from a broken home. I'm the oldest of five kids, you know, so I had to um, immediately find ways to help the others that mattered to me. 
And not that my parents didn't matter to me. It was just really hard to understand at a really young age. And so going through divorce and then seeing, you know, new step parents and trying to learn how to go through that. Um, I think just early on, I figured out that, you know, it, it's going to be okay. It's not the end of the world. And I'm going to have food in my stomach and I'm going to sleep and I'm going to wake up the next morning and I've got another shot. And every day is another shot to do something different. And I, I honestly, I get excited about helping people. So, you know, I can find ways to help people, whether or not I've got a lot of money in my pocket or whether I don't have a dime, I can find ways to make a difference. And just a smile sometimes can make all the difference in the world. Um, you'd, you'd be surprised how many people out there have shut themselves off from human interaction and by just a touch, uh, again, a, a impromptu glance, a smile, you make a different in that, a difference in that person's life, mm. right? Um, you don't have to go to church camp to figure that out. You can yeah. see it every day, everywhere you look, mm-hmm. if you look for it. Well, and it, it kind of goes back to the, our conversation on you never know the, the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing people who have, I talked to like years later, who say, hey, when you did this, that really, and I'm like, I didn't even know what you're talking about. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even remember the conversation. And I can think of the same thing for people in my life where yeah. I circle back around and I meet, I see them like 15 years down the road and I'm like, hey, when you told me this, it changed my life. Or when you just, just helped me up, you know, back to my feet. I mean, it just really meant a lot to me. And it's just always funny how for them, it wasn't insignificant, but we just don't, we don't know how meaningful our interactions can be sometimes. Yeah. Well, there's hope in that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and again, it's about self-awareness and you know, you're, you're worried about your blind spot, but guess what? You got a whole lot of light coming from you, man. Mm. You're amazing. So <laughs> that's why I try to spend as much time around you as I can. Yeah, sure. Um, you make my life better. Yeah. So, and well, thank mutual. you for that. Yeah, definitely mutual. Yeah. Now we're going to bro out a little bit. You know, <laughs> someone I, someone listened to our first episode and I was on the phone with her and she goes, man, you and Carrie have kind of a man crush going on. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, unashamedly. It's so sure. awesome. Well, and it's, it's, I think it's purely out of this. When I talk about your five people you're around, it's, it's just, it's, it's, and you've part of the expression iron sharpens iron. It's, yeah. it's when you're around people who are, uh, for me, and it goes back to your first comment. It's it's when there's a there's complementary belief systems. Mm-hmm. When my belief system complements this person, I feel like I'm. It, it helps me move forward in a way that I wouldn't be able to do. It's like having a trainer at the gym, and maybe even maybe even it's not even that. It's when you go to the gym with someone, right? And they're on their machine, and you're on your machine, and you're they're doing weights, and you're doing weights, and it's like, well, yeah, I want to I want to be able to lift that. <laughs> right. You know, that's I want right. to I want to be able to do that. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the value of my time with you is it it sharpens me and it it helps me keep the right perspective and i think perspective is it's massive for where you want to go in life because yeah. again if you're if if you're if you have these blinders on and you can only see let's say 10 feet out in front of you it helps to have people who are maybe 5 feet further oh yeah or who have been through what you've been through but but those complementary belief systems that you have can make that a really easy fit for each other that's it that's it. And it's also why I think in businesses, why it's so important when you're hiring someone to find someone who also has complementary belief systems mm. in the sense, uh, and not, and, and I want to be careful here. I don't mean like the same personality, 
but they care what you care about. And I would assume for Homestead, you're bringing on people who they deeply care about aging adults. Yeah. Other people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So the, absolutely a part of the interview uh, questionnaire is uh, trying to figure out what their compassion level is. Mm. So, so how do you do that? Well, you ask questions related to empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you ask them to tell stories and generally you get somebody talking, especially about their own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, you'll learn a lot about their perspective. And so I really like that you use that word perspective, um, because it, it is usually governed by life experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's really, really important that the people that we bring in to work on our team um, care about other human beings. Again, mm-hmm. it's relationship first, task second. Mm-hmm. Now, the tasks are really important, but it's relationship first. Mm-hmm. And um, if if that person is not the type that readily engages with other human beings and is concerned about the well-being of other human beings, probably not the best fit for us, but certainly there are plenty of jobs out there that mm-hmm. would that would be a good fit for that person. So mm-hmm. I like what you said though too, because if someone if someone is weak with the tasks, but they have the perspective, belief system, whatever, I have found that they can usually figure out the yeah. tasks and they they can actually um, overcome maybe the the proficiencies that they lack. Right. But I've never seen it work the other way around. <laughs> where someone is amazing at the tasks but they lack the empathy or they lack the compassion or they lack the um, collaborative nature. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it work. In fact, I've seen it go to the detriment of course of the company. Yeah. Cause even though they can do their job super well, it just, it does not work long term. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good advice. <laughs> really good advice. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, listen, thank you so, so much for having me back on a second time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like we could do this every week um, yeah. and really not run out of subject matter, but yeah. um, well, I'm grateful. If you're in our Northwest Arkansas area, you absolutely need to meet Carrie and get involved with Homestead and just the awesome work that they're doing. Uh, Carrie, it's always a pleasure, and I feel like it, like just like you said, I mean, there's just so much wisdom to be gleaned from you, and uh, it's exciting to continue to be friends with you and continue to work with you and just make the impact we can make. That's great. So, for our listeners, as always, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for your support. Uh, I love the feedback I get on the episodes. Definitely reach out to Carrie. Uh, Carrie, what's your email address? So Carrie.Lingenfelter at homeinstead.com. Easier way to find me might be on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and connect. Yeah. So reach out to Carrie. Let him know what you thought about uh, his episode today, whether you loved it or you hated it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, But sometimes I I get get feedback like that. People are like, you're an idiot. And, you know, sometimes it's pretty legitimate criticism. It's like, yeah, I didn't think of that. And other times it's... It's just not for everybody, you know? <laughs> so uh, reach out to Carrie. And then, as, again, you can reach out to me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com and let me know what you thought. That's all we got for today. I'll catch you later. See ya.